Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. What do you do when you have a burden, or a blessing, feels like a burden? Anybody ever have that? When a blessing feels like a burden. Now, we have precedent within our society and around the world of this sort of thing. Uh, in particular, think about a new job. Hey, I got a new job. It's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. We're going to have a great time. I can't wait. And you get in there and you like the people, you like the office or desk or whatever you're doing. And then a couple of weeks into it, you're thinking, this is the worst thing ever in my life. Moving on. Those of you who've been in love and went ahead and made love into marriage, well, just remind you, we're perfect for each other. How do you know? Well, we just stayed up talking all night long, and we love every single thing that the other person loves. We're perfect. We talked. We're so alike. We're just, it's the best ever. And then you get married, and three months later, someone's saying, hey, are you going to leave your socks on the floor every day for the rest of your life, or what's going on here? There's some expectations that come along, right? How about children? Those of you who have kids, we have a grandkid right now, beautiful little kid. He has the most promise of anyone ever in our family. He's really great. And, uh, but you, when you get them and they're like that, you're just so, wow, this is amazing and wonderful. And then you get at a certain age and you're like, what are you doing to me, God, with this kid? And then that's what they say about you. And then they go on Oprah, and you get embarrassed. <laughs> but what about your relationship with God, okay? What about God? I mean, where does he fit in in all of this? You start out, oh, it forgave me of my sins. Everything was awesome. I actually enjoyed listening to the Bible. I actually sung a few songs in church. I don't know what's happened to me. It's wonderful. And then time goes on, and there's some challenges, from God, there's some trials that come along, and you may be thinking, God, I thought this whole thing was supposed to be a blessing. It is a blessing, but you don't fully understand it. And that's what it's like when a blessing feels like a burden, something that you should be looking forward to, something that you should be rejoicing in, and then you find yourself in the midst of struggle and trial. Now, what we're going to talk about today is not blowing your blessing. Here's the whole title. Don't blow your blessing. Because you, at times you have to change your attitude, okay, before your attitude changes you. Right? You have to change your attitude before your attitude changes you. And this is what was going on with the children of Israel. They were great, man. They left Egypt. God used Moses, and he pulled those people out of slavery, out of oppression, and out of 
everything that, that they were missing in life and promised them a land where you can go. It's going to be your home, your place. But they didn't know what kind of blessing that was. In fact, they, they were so <coughs> excited that they wrote a song. And here's, here's where the song comes from. They had left Egypt. Pharaoh finally said, get out of here. My, my firstborn son died. Get out of my presence. Well, he changed his mind. And so he pursued them. And as they went toward the Red Sea, God parted it open. And the people walked across on, on uh, dry ground. And Pharaoh's soldiers came into the middle of it and were drowned and washed up on the, the shore. And so after they get to the other side, they have, okay, what we would call a song. And this was a popular song during the day. Exodus chapter 15, verses 1. He says, Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God. I will praise him and exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army were hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's soldiers were drowned in the sea. The deep waters have covered them up and they sank into the depths like a stone. Can you imagine singing that in church? And then he killed all those people for you. But if... You had just been saved from a bunch of people who were trying to kill you. You might sing about it too, right? But he goes on to say, your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. That's a good start, okay? Because they're out, they got free, and God is blessing them. He's taking care of them. He had all these plagues. I mean, they had never seen anything like this from God. It all started with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then they spent the 430 years there in Egypt, but, but it was Moses who was out in the desert who God revealed himself to and gave him the name. Here's my name, and this is what I want you to know me by. But they didn't really know God that well. We don't know how much of a heritage they had ecclesiastically or um, religiously. We don't know, Okay. But so it was kind of a new thing for them, but God had been doing these amazing miracles, okay? Stuff that none of them could have even thought of or dreamed about. But they, they worshiped and they had a good time, but then things changed. It's sort of like coming to church and you're worshiping and you're kind of every once in a while one of these, you know, hallelujah, it's awesome. Praise God. And then you get in the car on the way home and someone rides your tail and they just start honking at you and you lose your mind. And it, it's, it's, it's like that. Because not long after this great song that they sing about God's provision, well, they're moaning and groaning and murmuring in the desert. And I, I'm just going to let you know, just give you a little warning here. This message today, we're going to cover... Exodus chapter 15, the book of Leviticus, and the book of Numbers. I left off Deuteronomy because it just seemed like too much. But 
this is when a blessing seems to be turning into a burden. It's attitude, it's attitude. The whole Israelite company set out from Elam, Elam, Elim, to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt, in the desert the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if, you'd only, if we had only died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. I mean, come on, really? That's pretty dramatic. <clears throat> there we sat around pots of meat, and we ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us into the desert to starve us entirely, this entire assembly, to death. There's not even a McDonald's anywhere. There's no Scottish food in this place. There's nothing. We had pots of meat. Now we're just starving to death. What, what have you done to us? You see, that's, that's the reality of a shallow relationship with God. It is. It is because it's a wrong attitude, and the wrong attitude blocks us from seeing the good around us. A bad attitude will block you from seeing the good thing that's going on. Because if there had been a mindset of someone who's saying, look, we're going to a promised land, and we're going to have to cross through this desert, and it shouldn't take that long. It could take maybe a month or two. Uh, really, if you really huffed it, you could get there in a couple of two or three weeks. So in, in, in perspective, you would think, ah, you know, we're camping. It's a little bad out here. The food's not that great. We need some fresh water. And that would be okay because your perspective and your attitude is thinking about the blessing itself. The desert wasn't the blessing. The promised land was the blessing. Pulling them out of slavery was a blessing. But they had to go through a desert. And so they began to complain. And see, it, when, when, when we have this kind of attitude, we have a wrong attitude, we can't see the good that's coming. All we see is what's bad right now, circumstantially. It clouds the truth, okay, of God's leading and providing for you. The same God that could crash waters and destroy an army and save you at the same time is the same God who can make sure that you have food on the table. Although I will say when my blood sugar gets a little bit low, everybody just don't say anything. Don't look me in the eye. Just move out of the way of the fridge. And if you have dared steal that little special treat that I put in the very back portion of the fridge, I'm going to lose it. It's common, but it doesn't work. And it leads us to the probability, okay, of blowing our blessing. Because we're not looking at the full picture of what God has. By the way, it needs to be said, this group of people hadn't followed God. They hadn't been in close relationship with him. This was something new. They had grown up in a very polytheistic environment, and they had been used to synchronistic sort of uh, religions and so forth, and this one true living God, they, they were accustomed to cursing gods, they were accustomed to um, groaning against gods, why did this God do this, why are you making this happen, you know, so forth, that God's not really a strong God. 
But this was the true living creator God, one and only. And they were about to get an education. Okay, so there's murmuring in the desert, but now they move to Sinai just down the road, and that's where there is an abandonment of God. You see, God invited them to this mountain in Sinai so that he wanted to make a covenant with them. And that is, he seems to like making covenants as we read through Abraham and so forth, God's covenant with them about, you know, I'll make you a great nation and well, we don't have any kids, but God's like, I'm, take care of it, trust in me. So these folks were out in the desert and God said, I want you, okay, Abraham's descendants, I want you to make a covenant with me that I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to bless you and I'm going to send you into this land that I prepared for you. But, but you have to understand, this wasn't just because they were special people. God made them special in that he wanted to create a nation, a group of people that would represent him in every way and do things different than the way the other nations did. I mean, you know, Oh, good. Let's just enslave somebody. That would be great. Uh, let's enslave a whole people group. Let's treat people like garbage. Let's throw their kids into the river. Whatever, whatever it was, it was in rebellion against God, rejection of God all the way through, top to bottom around the world. And so God chooses one group, and you know, what happened in the garden, listen, I'm going to choose Abraham, his descendants, and we're going to do it again. I'm going to give them their own land. And I'm going to bless them. And I'm going to ask them to be different and separate from other nations. Because if they do become different and separate from other nations, I will bless the nations because of them. I will say when the stranger comes into your border, you take care of them and love them. And, and, and don't, you bless them. He says, you know, I don't want you to murder. I don't want you to steal. I don't want you to do all of these things that everybody else seems to think is just fine. Because I want to bear, I want you to bear my name in this world. And God has always been looking for those who are willing to do his will and be in covenant with him and be blessed by him for his purposes. The, the, the little note here is that whenever you seek to bless others or you seek to bless God and to follow after God, there's a big, huge blessing in it for you as well. So they were covenant people set apart on a mission. And so here's the deal. Your attitude directs your focus. Remember, they were learning to follow God, and so are we. But your attitude will direct your focus. If your attitude's just about me, and I don't feel very good, I need some food, whatever, okay, great. You're not going to learn a lot. But if you put your focus in the right direction, there will be blessings. So... He made a covenant with them, and they broke the covenant. Exodus 32 begins, When the people saw that Moses was so long from coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. So here's what happened. Moses would go up on the mountain. God would be with the people in their midst in a pillar of fire at night, and during the daytime, a cloud, this great cloud. It would rest there on uh, Sinai, and there would be thunderings and lightnings, and people were kind of freaked out and scared by it. But Moses would go up and meet with the Lord. Well, he must have taken a long time because they said, Come, let us make, uh, uh, come, make us gods who will go before us, for this is, this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him, okay? We don't know what's happened to him. 
We don't know if he fell on a rock, he got hurt, or if he just skipped town, got bitten by a snake. There's a lot of dangerous stuff out here in the desert. We don't know, but we need a God. They had learned from the society that they had grown up in that if you were going to travel and march to any place, even if you were going to go back to Egypt, you needed a God to go before you. In fact, even as they traveled through the wilderness, they took before them the Ark of the Covenant. If you don't know what that is, you can look it up uh, on Bible.org and anywhere else and find out all the dimensions. It's beautiful and powerful. But the, the bottom line is, is they, Aaron said, give me your gold rings, your jewelry, all your stuff that you have. And what I'm going to do is we'll fashion a, a, a golden calf out of this, okay? And so they started worshiping it and going crazy. And God, get this, is talking to Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, go down, verse 7, because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have themselves um, an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They've bowed down to it, sacrificed to it, and said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. So where did they go wrong? They, grew, they were raised in a polytheistic environment. What? What's going on? What's the problem here? Well, here's the problem. Is that God made a covenant with them. And that covenant primarily is what we would call the Ten Commandments, okay? Top ten. And, but then there's all of these others and detailed regulations throughout Leviticus, throughout uh, Exodus, even into Numbers, about everything that they should do can, uh, socially, legally. There were these prescribed three, 613 laws that they had to follow. But the top main uh, laws that we would call the Ten Commandments. The first one is this. God spoke these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You, have no, uh, you shall have no other gods before me. Okay, number one. You shall have no other gods before me. I am top. I am it. Second. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or the waters below. You shall not bow down to it, worship them, for I, the Lord, uh, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of their parents <coughs> to the third and fourth generation, <coughs> to those who hate me, but showing Loved to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. Those are the first two parts of the covenant, and they broke them. Now, this is ironic and weird because the, the, the cloud was on Sinai with Moses there, and they went ahead and built an idol and did it right in front of God. So what's the big deal about that? Well, here's the big deal. God is the creator God. God created everything in it, and he has power, sovereign power, over it. And so we are created beings, okay, made in the imago Dei, the image of God. Now, let's go a little bit further here. He says, I don't want you to worship any image that you see because everything that you see is created by me. 
and subject to me. And that means that there is no other at all. None of these things will do or represent me, okay? I represent me. He said, I am that I am. I exist. That's who he is. Now, here's the thing about worshiping handmade gods. If you can make it with your hands, you can throw it in the fire and throw it over the side of a, a bridge. You can smash it with a hammer. The thing with a handmade God is what you're, typic, what you're basically saying is, I want a God that I can manipulate. I want a God that I can manipulate. I made it with my hands. It's not like all of a sudden you made a God with your hands and go, oh my goodness, I'm going to fall down and worship you. You're so awesome. I just made you with my hands. God's like, what are you doing? No, we're not going to be that way. That's the way everybody else is doing it. And they're missing me. My people will not do that way. My people are going to my land and they're going to be there with me, honoring me, and I will bless and bless and bless and bless them. But we're not going to put up with this. We're not going to do that. It's like, you know, saying, well, this is not very nice. Should I say it? Sure, one. We have one amen. Okay, good. It's sort of like, you know, being married for a while, and then uh, you come home and you, you say, "Hun, you know, I think it's time we both started dating again. Oh, each other? That's so sweet. No, we should date other people. Well, these, we're married to each other. We have a covenant with each other. Why would we want anybody else involved? You see, that's the picture. God said, I have a jealous love over you. And to those who hate me, man, it is not cool. They're not going to enjoy any of it. But to those who love me, I've got blessings for generations and generations. And God wanted that. And he was teaching them that this is the way you're going to have to learn if you're going to live around me and if I'm going to be around you. Okay? And that's where they went wrong. They broke a covenant with God, and God was serious about it. They weren't. God was serious in that he said, listen, I... I <laughs> I'm gonna, I, I will care for you, but, but I'm, I'm telling you, if you go astray and go do your own thing, there's no way that I can bless you over in this other direction. You get that? Does that make sense? It does, doesn't it? Now, <clears throat> so here's what happens. He said he's slow, he's showing love to thousands of generations to those who keep his commandments. But... Once again, Moses goes and prays to God, and God blesses them again, forgives others, but there were consequences to their actions. Those that had initiated the worship of this other God, well, they had a terrible end because God wasn't going to put up with it. It was interesting to me, over the last couple of weeks, I've been reading the, the Torah, and <clears throat> I'm telling you, God gets very real. God has a real relationship with Moses, and, and it's sort of standoffish with the people. But look, the book of Leviticus, as we go through there, we find that, that it's really, you look at it and you read it, and it seems kind of boring to read. But what, what God's doing is giving detailed assignments of how he wants people, those people, to learn to be around him so that he can be in their midst. You get that? He says, I, you know, I want to be in the midst of you, but there's some 
issues of being clean and unclean, and there's other ways around this. And so if you want to be around me, here is the prescribed formula to do so. Now, fast forward, we have Jesus as our leader today, and he has created a way with himself for us to be close to God. And that was God's intention all along because he came from this nation of promise. So they move on and they head down toward the borders of Canaan where they're supposed to go into the land. And they send spies in there, okay? And the spies come back and they say, listen, man, There's some giants there. There's some relatives of Anak, this big giant. His people are there. All of these enemies uh, that have hated us, they're around, and I don't think we should do it. The majority of the spies who went in said that we shouldn't do it. Two, Joshua and Caleb said, "Uh, the Lord's with us, man. Let's take them. By the way, look at all these big bundle of grapes we have. This place is amazing. Because God said it would be a land flowing with milk and honey. Where they were right now was out in the desert getting bitten by snakes and all this other kind of stuff. And they're they're complaining a lot because they didn't know. They couldn't see the full vision of what God had planned for them. Okay, And because of that, they were in danger of blowing their blessing. Okay, So... People began to talk, spread the word around, and most of the consensus of the people was, listen, (laughs) hey, man, we can't go into that land. We're going to get killed. In fact, I'll read you what what they say. That night, the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Very dramatic group of people. Why is the Lord bringing us to a land only to let us fall by the swords or our wives and our children will be taken as plunder? Would it be better for us to go back to Egypt, wouldn't it? And they said to each other, get this, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Bad thing. Not a good thing to say. You see, this whole idea of attitude and focus really determines the direction that you're heading and the success. Look, everybody loves courage when it's on the screen, right? Our favorite people in movies, who are they? The coward? No. We love the courageous person. Doesn't matter how strong, how weak, but the act of, of simply just showing courage enough to stand up and to go for it is inspiring to us. But when they were faced with it, they, 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 they chose fear. They keep focusing on the wrong things, getting the wrong attitude, and getting the wrong results every time. If, if they had thought for just a moment God who did all of these things, he's fed us in the desert. He has taken care of us time and time again. All of these miracles. Well, I'm going to go with Joshua and Caleb because this, this, my friends, is it. This is our time and God is going to be with us. But they said, no, we don't want that. We should have died in Egypt. Why can't we just die here? Our kids are going to be ruined. What have you done to us? They couldn't see. And they were about to blow their blessing. Numbers 14, further on, verse 20. The Lord replied, and I need to preface this. The Lord replied to Moses. Moses said, forgive them. I mean, when they said this, he and Aaron fell down. They tore their clothes. Just don't do this. Don't say this to God. 
And so he went and he, and he talked to Moses. Moses, I mean, he talked to God. Moses, I don't want to be with these people. They have just completely disrespected me. At one point, he said, Moses, I could kill all of them and start over with you and have a better people group. Do you ever wonder that God gets mad at human beings? Yeah. Yeah. By the way, nobody likes complaining. Nobody. Nobody. But the reason I say this is I don't feel the need to make excuses. I didn't write this. I'm not God. I wasn't there. But I, as you read through the account of the story, you realize there, there's something of me and you and people that we know that are a part of that story with God. Okay? The Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of these who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. Why is that? Because God was on a mission for the world and he was going to take them to a special land. And the idea is, I'm not letting anybody in this land who hates me. I'm not letting anybody in this land who hates me. That does not mean that he's only going to let perfect people in there. No, no, but none of these people were perfect. God has had created ways okay, within the Levitical laws to, to remain with God, even though you make a mistake or you've made a sin, God had made ways for that. And we see that, those of us who have fast-forwarded to the New Testament and have experienced Jesus ourselves, he made complete access through Jesus Christ, okay? But it's for those who love him. If you hate God, he's going to make sure that you don't have to hang around him. Now it goes on to say, now this is devastating, and this is how you blow your blessing. Not one of you will enter the land I swore and uplifted my hand to your home, to make your home, except Caleb and Joshua. And as for your children, you said that they'd be taken as plunder. I will bring them in to enjoy the land you have rejected. But as for you, your bodies will fall in the wilderness. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lie in the wilderness. You see, God gives us an opportunity to be on mission with him, right? And to look at maybe the current circumstances and say, yeah, but God's got something bigger. God's some, got something better to go. But, but what happened here is they didn't see it. They only saw how the decisions of God and the leaders affected them. How about this big, great, beautiful pandemic we're going through? We oftentimes think, well, you know, the governor, Dr. Fauci. I'll Fauci him. 
my businesses, my inconvenience. I've lo- we've lost so much. By the way, I would not want to be in any public official's office during this time for anything. You know, in fact, that's, during this pandemic, I can say, listen, man, do those folks need prayer. If anybody needs prayer. Because they're trying to figure out how to, to make this work. And you and I, if you're, if you're a Christ follower, if you have any inkling of love for God, you and I, our response should be this. God, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you showing us? What do you want us to know? We can sit around and complain about it and complain about it, but if we have the foresight that we're on a mission with God in the world, we're on track with following Him, and we see this and go, well, this is not a blessing. Maybe it is. We just can't see it. What are we going to go back to? A year that's lost? It's gone. We'll never go back to that. It's never will return, ever. Our only pathway is forward and forward with God. And the better the attitude, the easier the gratitude. Go ahead and mark that down. Uh, You can make a bumper sticker, split it with me. The better the attitude, the easier the gratitude, baby. Right? You got to change your attitude before your attitude changes you. And you got to do it before those circumstances change your life. Because God is, you know, who's going to let in there? People who love me. I want to, to bless Abraham's descendants, and I'm going to give them a land. But you guys saw me do all of these things, and yet you want somebody else? I can't deal with that. I can't do that with you. But those who trust and love me, they're going to see it. They are going to see it. Now, I'm not telling you that this is workspace salvation, but I will tell you this. There's, there, there is a time to get it right, and the time to get it right is right now. Okay? The time to purpose it in our minds to do what God has said and to follow him and to be his is right now. On mission with God. Because they had all of these sacrifices all of these prescribed measures so that God would hang out and be around them. You see, he was in the garden with the humans. Now, through Abraham, he is back again with this tribe, and they're unruly. They haven't been broken yet. It's like a, um, a wild horse, but they're getting there. But One will come from them, this people group, on mission, who are out in the wilderness, will come a leader. You know, it's interesting, the book of of Deuteronomy ends with this sort of little sad note where it says, "Um, where are we ever going to find another leader like Moses? And Moses had prophesied that one would come, and it's the Messiah, Jesus And Jesus said, I made a way, I figured it out, I've got it. This is how we can be with God. He says, if you will trust in me, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. He said, I will take upon me your sins. And 
I will go and I will pay for your sins. And that way, you can be with God all the time. God doesn't need to leave your presence. God doesn't need to go anywhere. God is with you continually. That is how the whole world became blessed because that gospel went out to all the nations and continues to do so today. But here's the caveat, okay? In the wilderness, if you don't love me, you hate me, okay. If you love me, generations to come will flourish. In the New Testament, same God, but in human flesh, Jesus, he said, there's only one way. There's no other way to the Father except through me, period. If you deny me, you deny the Father. You can't get by me. You can't. God in the wilderness was saying, you can't get by me. And if you want to know and be with God, my friends, it's one name away. It's Jesus Christ. Jesus himself is that. Jesus himself. He's there, stands ready to receive, to bless, to change you, and to bring you into that fullness of relationship with God. It's not always going to be easy, but God never told us it was going to be. We just sort of projected that on him. So as we go throughout this time, I want to, you to be careful and to ask yourself, what is God speaking? What is he saying to us today in all of this? And how should we respond? Your attitude <laughs> will lead you one way or the other. Change it now and see all that God is doing and be blessed by it. Father, thank you for today. What a beautiful, beautiful day. Thank you for New Mexico. Thank you for the sunshine and just the beautiful landscapes. It's all yours. You're such a great painter. But we know that the deserts are beautiful, but they are dangerous. Lord, I pray you continue to bless your people. Show us what we need to know, how to live, how to, how to assess what's happening and Lord, may we in our hearts love you continually, fervently, and forgive us when we don't, Lord. Thank you for bearing with us your long-suffering and your mercy. In Jesus' name. This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So, until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.